0: Domingo, Santana...
1: Kokomo Friday here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Welcome, I am Adam Azer with Scott White, Heath Cummings and Chris Towers. I'm very excited to talk about baseball today. I'm very excited to talk about Max Freed, basically for the entire hour, plus a little bit of the most atomist and some week three help. Scott, are Braves fans as excited about Max Freed as I am? Uh I don't
0: I don't know. I'm I mean I'm excited about him from a fan standpoint, probably more so than from a fantasy analyst standpoint. Uh the threshold for being a quality pitcher is a little lower when you're just talking about major league standards versus like a twelve team league standard. But yeah, we'll get into it. We'll see. Okay. There's good. some there's some reason for excitement there.
1: Yeah. Well, he's a superstar. That's the reason. Uh welcome to Kareith. <laughs> Kreith picked up Max Fried yesterday. All right, we're going to talk about a lot more players. I do want to know who you're adding and dropping. We're going to play a game called Are They Bad? This was ex- inspired by uh, Heath's tweet about Luke Voigt and also um, Heath emailing me about Josh Donaldson and his terribleness. And we'll read your emails at <laughs> fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. How's Kokomo Friday going for you guys, he- uh, Kreef?
2: Good. I was woken up at 6 in the morning by my dog barking at one of the cats, and I could not go back to sleep. So that was nice, but I'm feeling good. So you're actually probably more awake than you normally are for the show because you've been awake for longer. I've...
3: This is <laughs> unfair. It was just a question. I've been showing up on time for our early podcast. Right. Yesterday, I Almost didn't... Almost all the time. Yesterday, I didn't have my coffee. I was kind of a jerk. I, I was... apologize to stepdads everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was here before you today.
3: <laughs> yes, you were.
1: Wow. Uh, nice work. Right, where credit's do? So let's talk about some interesting ads that we've made or ad drops that we've made. Players that are on your roster that weren't. As of just a few days ago, Chris, why don't you take it away? Who you want to start with?
2: Yeah, I'll go with Jaco Odorizzi, who we talked about a little bit early in the week, but his first start was really, really interesting. He's someone who, when he was right and when he was good with the Rays, he worked up in the strike zone with his fastball a lot. Got away from that the last couple of years, but he's worked with that same repsoto Soto tracker that everybody has, apparently. And, you know... That start against, it was the Indians, so giant asterisk, but he got 15 swinging strikes with his four-seam fastball. He's not going to do that every start, but that's the path to success for him. I thought it was a really, really promising start.
1: Alright, so he's, you know, there are a bunch of pitchers that we're going to talk about. Scott, you want to talk about Matt Boyd, I believe, as a pitcher that you seem to really be buying into. I assume you like him more than Jake Odorizzi. Uh,
0: yeah, I do. and uh, I feel like uh, well, there's two starts where he dominated and not just one. And the second was against, I-, I think a pretty legitimate lineup, the Yankees. Um, and, and just, you know, the 26 swinging strikes, 13 on the slider. He seems to be a lot of pitchers seem to be, but I think Boyd the most clearly seems to be taking the Patrick Corbin route of success where, um, kind of leading with his best pitch instead of leading with the fastball and uh we're seeing some pretty dramatic results from him so i made sure he was owned in all of my leagues just last night and i'm not a guy who makes a lot of midweek pickups i usually save those for the end of the week i made an exception for boyd
1: okay he talk about the th- the third pitcher that might be just complete absolute garbage based on his history uh to jo- you know ota matt boyd so far uh
2: hey well i'm serious he has a history of success let's not lump him in with matt boyd he's he w- has a history of being he had like good three years at in a row, row of being a
3: mid 3 zra or something like that. He, he has a much more sustained history than matt boyd does he's also has much more failure than matt boyd does. i don't agree
0: i, uh, I don't think odorese's ever been more than fringy never in fantasy
2: never He had a 335 era in 2015 let's give the guy some yeah. credit you are not allowed to talk it's about ERA. Objectively true. That is my
1: job to talk about ERA. Um, he's always <laughs> Oderisi. <Odorizzi laughs> in his heyday, was a guy that you could start in home starts when he played in Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe he's showing more promising stuff this year. All right, how about Jordan Zimmerman, who I guess actually does have a, a better track record? And I did pick him up, Heath. Is it just yeah. I picked him up because of the uh the two starts next week, good matchups? How about you?
3: That was mostly the reason I picked him up as well. And I I was talking to Chris about this before, and it's, I think it's a good point to go with these, all these interesting guys we're picking up. The thing I struggle with this time of year is I have three or four pitchers on my bench on most of my points leagues teams that I thought were going to be good pitchers this year and maybe have made one bad start, and I'm just not willing to drop them because of one bad start for a lot of these guys that have been bad for multiple years. Um, Zimmerman over the first two games only has one walk and it was an intentional walk he does have two very good matchups next week the thing I like about him is I know that I'm going to start him next week and then I'll have a pretty good idea after those two games against the Twins and the Indians whether I want to hold on to him
1: I Do you guys just feel like this segment is not going to age well as the kids say? I picked up Jake Odorizzi, <laughs> Matt Boyd, and Jordan Zimmerman and we look back at this in a month and we're going, I can't believe we picked up Jake Odorizzi, that's Boyd the thing. I, that's the thing I struggle
3: oh. with. Like I understand the idea of I don't want to miss the guy that has the great start and then wins me my league, but I also don't want to drop the guy that I drafted because he had one bad start and somebody else did well against the Indians.
1: Yeah. Can you, Can you give me a name or two that you're talking about that you don't want to dra- drop?
3: Uh, Zach Godley and Luke Weaver.
1: Okay. Scott, you want to get in there? Thought I heard you. Uh,
0: I mean, it, I, I it. think it's a philosophical difference. There, there is such a fine line between the players I take at the end of the draft and the players I don't dra- take. I mean, just look at how much that pool of players turned over from spring training, which was also a small sample and not an, as competitive of an vi- environment as we're seeing here at the start of the year. Um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of good things to be found this time of year. And when you drop the guy you drafted, you're not. Like, this is, this is something I, I, I don't think people tend to process very well. You're, you're probably not going to lose him to somebody else. You're probably just dropping him to sit on the waiver wire until the point when maybe he's interesting again, or maybe he isn't. But it, like, you don't have to treat, um, you don't have to treat your, your bench spots as, uh, you know, the players you believe in and the waiver wire, the players you don't believe in.
1: Okay. Well, it's time for me to fall in love again. Max Freed. Oh my gosh, what enticing stuff! I just I I want to talk about how much I love Max Fried. Do we have? Oh, look at that! Look at the graphic, guys. Hearts That's everywhere. That's beautiful. Beautiful stuff. Is there? I mean, is he the hardest throwing lefty starting pitcher in baseball already? Who th- Who's a left-handed pitcher those 97 miles per hour with a hammer for a hook? Um <laughs> I, I can't In believe... He
0: 94, but okay. But, oh, he
1: hits 97, and you know he hits 97. Okay. <laughs> and... Adam, Adam saw
2: it. Yeah, it I so did nice. see it. We all he saw it. velocity he was did, a lot did, better than numbers. Notoriously accurate velocity uh <laughs> tracker, Adam Azer. I, I saw the <laughs> freaking game. I saw he was hitting it, it multiple times. I
1: can't believe his minor league numbers are not better. I don't get it. Um, there's so much potential here. And they rave about his stuff. So, he's only 22% owned. Freed might not even stay in the rotation because Gosman and Fulton <laughs> Evich are coming back. But, I think we might have something here. What do you guys think?
2: Uh, we we so, might
0: have something. Oh. We might have something. Um, I, I, do think there's a pretty good chance he stays in the rotation because I have to think he's leapfrog Kyle Wright for that fifth spot with this performance. But, I, I, I'm a little hesitant to, um, endorse him as one of my favorite pickups because it, it would mostly be about the fact that he gave up only one hit in six innings. He, he had, he featured basically two pitches in this start. He had less than a strike up per inning. He had seven total swinging strikes. Um, that's not to say he doesn't have upside, but I don't think this is the start where you can point to it and say, yes, this is the upside we've been waiting to see for Max Fried. I don't think um, the underlying numbers suggests you can count on him doing this kind of stuff over and over again. Uh, I would, I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't make a play for him if you have a spot to play with, but among the pitchers who've been showing us interesting things here early in the season, I don't think I'd put Freed in my top 10.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know that he's necessarily somebody I want to add in a 12-team league, but if you're in like a 16-team league with 24-man rosters, this is the type of guy you want on your bin. <laughs> okay. So did you pick up Max Reed <laughs> in, the,
1: in the For the People League just, just because I tweeted my love for him or or was there? Of course.
3: I, <laughs> I literally, literally saw your spot. tweet, comprised my reply, and was texting Chris asking which of our three bad players he wanted to drop so that we could pick him up and then hit reply on Twitter.
1: <laughs> and you did that because you respect my baseball opinion so much that you thought, oh, Adam's Ex- Exactly. Right.
3: Yeah, like okay. I see you tweet. I, I get alerts on my phone. and If you're tweeting about baseball— I'm looking to add that guy in. If you're tweeting about okay. movies, I just roll my eyes. Okay. Okay.
1: All right, guys. So those are some of the ad drops. Um, I, I wanted Chris to talk about Rowdy Telez and Robbins, and Chirinos. Chris, can you do that in about 15 seconds? Rowdy Telez and Robbins, and Chirinos?
2: Yeah. Rowdy Telez is a contact hitter with untapped power potential who has hit the ball hard so far. And Yanni Chirinos just, he, he's got a really good sinker. He started throwing his splitter more in his first start. There's a lot of potential there, and they didn't use an opener with him. That's a good sign.
1: Yeah, I, um, did you say Robinson, Chir- did you say, uh, text me Robinson or Yanni? He asked Chiritos? you about
2: Robinson Choritos. I, I thought I texted you about Yanni Choritos. Okay. I,
1: I don't know. I, I think he just texted Torino. I told the graphics department Robinson Choritos, so then I asked you about Yanni Choritos, so I have totally screwed up. Let's see what Chris said. <laughs> he said Choritos! He said Choritos, so which one was it? The better one. Yachty? Not, okay. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I thought maybe we were looking at, like, a deep catcher or something like that. Uh, today, Spencer Turnbull gets his own segment, Scott White. Six innings, three runs, two walks, ten strikeouts against Kansas City. His first start was five innings, three runs, five strikeouts at Toronto. Spencer Turnbull, Tiger starting pitcher, he is 7% owned. And he gets Cleveland next week, so we might have three encouraging starts to start the season. Um, you picked him up for Team Scam in the 16-team league should he be owned? Should Turnbull be owned in any other type of format?
0: Well, to put this in full context, I would rather have Max Freed than Spencer Turnbull. But Turnbull was a pitcher who I'd been eyeing since spring training when he started to uh, he started to make some waves there, looked at his minor league numbers. The guy had 10 strikeouts per nine innings in the minors last year. So seeing him strike out 10 in uh, his second start of the season, yeah, I... It may not be a fluke. He had 15 swinging strikes. Half of them came on a cutter. That looks like a pretty impressive pitch. If you go back and look through his history, um, he is pitching for the Tigers. That's probably the biggest downside. Not a lot of win potential, but there's, it, it's, it's reason, this start is reason to take notice of him. There, there could be some upside here.
1: Okay. Spencer Turnbull just 7% owned. And, uh, look, one um, of our favorite, uh, did you say something, Chris?
2: Yeah, one thing that I would right. keep in mind is something that Derek Cardi has talked a lot about of ESPN. The AL Central is a disaster, and his projection does take into account um the division that pitchers pitch in. And pretty much all of the Tigers pitchers have higher projections for him because of that. It's something to keep in mind that this could just be such a bad division that it raises the prospect you guys like
3: oh, it's by far the worst offensive division in baseball I, it's, I, it's it's a yeah. disaster
1: i know that's why jose barrios could really benefit from it because he's on the best offense by far and um i I think he could espn i think i've been talking about that we've been talking about that for months chris towers what's that all about i mean i don't do no. projections but um but actually that uh, made me that that made me think I'm about i so sorry something.
2: adam I'm sorry that I, that I offended you.
1: The AL Central, I mean, yes, the AL Central, I talk about it all the time about how many good matchups there are in the AL Central. (laughs) I, really. Do I have to tweet it?
0: Isn't that the most frustrating thing? When you you feel like you've been driving over a point over and over, and somebody raises it like it's a new idea.
2: Yeah. I mean,
1: it wasn't like yesterday. (laughs) What? I, I probably said it, I probably said it every single show for the last three months. Um, but no, that, that actually, if you notice what's going on right now, the pitching is just ridiculous. And I, I heard a stat yesterday, uh, that t- I think 23% of plate appearances were ending in strikeouts. I don't know if you have an update on that or whatever, but I, I mean, yeah. there,
0: this, well, this, this is kind of something, this is kind of what I was saying when I mentioned, uh, a lot of pitchers seem to be taking that Patrick Corbin route to success. I mean, you could put Jordan Zimmerman in that category too, just the perspective of throwing a lot more off speed pitches. Uh, at, at the expense of the fastball um Matt shoemaker, another one he threw his splitter about as often as his fastball on his most recent start there th- those pitches are harder to hit in an environment that's so uh power focused so it seems like you know it's adjustment counter adjustment league, and kind of the the entire pitching pool has made this counter adjustment.
3: 36.1% of plate appearances have ended in a walk, a strikeout or a home run.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and this is something that it's been, I think since 2008 there has been a new uh strikeout rate record in MLB and then last I saw before last night it was up another like percentage point and a half and it's risen about a percentage point every year for at least the last 5 or so. Um And yeah, the one stat that I saw was last year was the first year since we began tracking pitches that there were more sliders than sinkers thrown in Major League Baseball, and the number was about 800 overall last season. Through the first week of games this year, I believe it's over 2,000 more sliders than sinkers. That's a big change. People are trading sinkers for fastballs and sliders, and that's just inevitably going to lead to more strikeout. And in an era where nobody really expects most pitchers to go more than five or six innings you don't really have to leave anything on the table anymore just throw your best stuff one thing i don't know is like it's not it'll be interesting because a lot
3: of these guys because the walks are up just a little bit too and they're throwing so many of these sliders which generally are not in the strike zone i think they're still throwing 90 95 pitches it's just over five or six innings instead of over seven innings right i don't think it's any less taxing on the arm
2: no 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 it's not about taxing on the arm it's just in in prior generations, and we've talked about this, you would hold something back so you could get like the first time through the order, you would mostly throw your fast and sprinkle in a couple of seconds. and then the second time you might work in a second pitch a little more, and then the third time because you're always trying to keep hitters off bound. Now, because that's not the expectation that you're going to go through the lineup three times, just give what you have now. Yeah, don't. I, I, that's the philosophy. <laughs> this take.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I mean, Chris is taking. Yeah. The entirely opposite approach. ESPN
2: has well,
1: definitely, has definitely talked about that, uh, recently, I would say for sure. Um, okay, so. I think I'm, it
2: was on the ringer or baseball perspective, uh, actually. Okay.
1: I'm gonna do the, uh, read about the Masters now. Here we go. Um, one of our favorite times of the year is upon us. It is the Masters. It is probably the only golf that I will watch all year. It's a tradition unlike any other, and CBS Sports is where you can get direct streaming access on your phone or computer to live coverage of all Live coverage all day for each round of the Masters. And the coolest part is you can choose between four different streams, whether you want to watch the featured groups of the day, follow the field as they come through Amen Corner, or holes 15 and 16. I said Amen Corner, right? Uh, I said that properly? Okay, good. Um, or see top I golfers so. getting ready for their round on the practice range. And, look, we've been looking forward to it uh, for a long time. So there are different ways to follow the Masters. Um, obviously CBS Sports HQ, but you can download the CBS Sports app on your phone or visit cbsports.com slash Masters First Cut today. This is all free. cbsports.com slash Masters First Cut. Go there today. Um, and while you are there, be sure to tune in to watch our friend Kyle Porter on CBS Sports HQ, which is our free 24-hour sports news network. He'll be reporting live from Augusta National all week long. So, again, cbsports.com slash Masters First Cut. And First Cut is also the name of our golf podcast. Check it out. The First Cut with Kyle Porter, Chip Patterson on that one as well. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. News and notes. Jose Ramirez left with a bruised foot. He's day-to-day. Should be hopefully fine. Uh Vladimir Guerrero was set hopefully. to play a rehab game yesterday. I'm just going to fire three did. Okay, good. That's good. Uh Clay Buckles could be back in a few weeks. You guys have any interest in Clay Buckles? Now a Blue Jays pitcher?
2: Nope. There's too many pitchers for me to be in. Didn't play Buckles.
1: Uh, Ramon Laureano is absolutely incredible. Just give him a gold glove now. He threw out three Red Sox on the bases in the series. That was amazing. <laughs> Matt Chapman should be back today. He has a sore wrist. Victor Robles has homered twice this year, both off Noah Syndergaard. Good stuff there. Aaron Hicks has been cleared for baseball activity. Shohei Otani thinks he could play this month. He probably won't, but he thinks he could, which means he's making good progress. Shohei Otani. Angleton Simmons left with lower back tightness. Not expected to be serious. Atlanta sent Bryce Wilson to AAA. Toronto sent Anthony Alford to AAA. (laughs) That was quick. One game and gone. Yeah, Socrates Brito replaced him. And Ozzie Albies has attempted four steals in six games. That's a nice little trend there. He's two for four. Nick Marcakis apparently had been very unlucky going into last night's game. He had been hitting the ball really hard, as the broadcasters were saying, on the same broadcast in which I saw Max free throw 97-mile-per-hour fastballs. And then he went five for five with three doubles. So, actually, now he's off to a great start, Nick Markekis. Uh Nomar Mazara sat with a sore quad. He should play today. Rafael Devers sat against a lefty probably just a day off, but he has been struggling this year. Kyle Schwarber started against a lefty for the first time this season. I believe Jason Hayward sat. And Boston is off to the worst start for a World Series champion since the 1998 Marlins. That was the fire sale 1998 Marlins.
0: Uh, Their starting yeah.
2: pitchers have a 9.08 ERA
1: right now. Oof. Good
2: plan
0: there, guys. Good plan saving those guys up. <laughs> Ridiculous.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's Can't so hurt your Eduardo Rodriguez was like the one that October. they didn't.
0: Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez was like the one they didn't, though, and he might be up to the, most, the scariest start of all
1: of them. Okay, let's look at some statements that I'm going to make, and you tell me if they are overreactions. Overreactions, dot, 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 or are they? Here we go. Actually, Gary Sanchez is better than JT Real Muto.
2: I don't think it's an overreaction. It's not like you guys ranked them super far apart coming into the season, at least in Roto. I mean, like, two rounds apart. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I had him, like, six picks apart.
0: I don't think it's, like, I wouldn't agree with it, but it's certainly a possibility he could be better than Real Muto.
1: Sure. He is hitting – Gary Sanchez is hitting basically nothing but fly balls, 66.7% fly ball rate, uh, which will lead to a lot of home runs. But I'd rather him hit, like, 270 well, yeah, I mean, instead of 230. <laughs> um, all right. I'm well, really trying not
0: to get too, like, uh, invested in batted ball data yeah. this time of year because it's just so, like – Sure. Obviously, he's, he's hit a lot of fly
1: balls because he has three home runs, you know? It's descriptive, not predictive at this point. Sure. Uh yeah. overreaction or no Trevor Bauer should be the number 3 starting pitcher in your rankings. Behind behind I mean, Scherzer
2: and DeGrom. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't exactly be number 1 or number 3, but he's absolutely in the discussion for me. I've moved him up to number 7.
1: Keep going. He's really good. Hey, I heard uh on another network that the AL Central has some some easy lineups. It's um, too bad he doesn't get to face the Indians. It's, it's true. Scott, where's Trevor Bauer for you?
0: Uh he's ahead of Chris Sale. I'll tell you that much. He's uh, he's a candidate to finish third. Sure, I I would still take Verlander over him. I would still take Kluber over him. Uh You know, we, he, I think I'd still like, take Blake Snell But he's in that discussion.
3: We made the jokes about him tinkering his way into not being good anymore, and we didn't acknowledge the possibility that he could tinker his way into being the best pitcher in baseball.
2: Well, and he was it was close last year. <laughs> basically, there last year. I mean, I think he was second in FIP. He led the uh, the AL in most of the peripheral stats. He was already he had a good case for being the Cy Young winner last
1: year. Yeah, and, I, and what I love about Bauer is in his first start, he threw uh, just a handful of curveballs, like four-ish curveballs. And last night in his no hit bid where he did walk six guys, he threw a ton of curveball. So he just has so many weapons. All right, is this an overreaction? Elvis Andrews is back.
0: Uh yeah. It seems like an overreaction to me. Yes, it does. Has he attempted a steal yet? One for He's one. one. He's one for one. Okay, so between spring training and the regular season, 22 games, one steal attempt. That's, this is- I mean... That's going to be the biggest key for me because, uh, you know, even if we're just completely ruling out that 2017 season as a power aberration, he has to run to be of value.
2: And I don't think 2018 or 2017 was just an aberrate. There, there were reasons to believe that he had made changes in his approach, maybe not to be a 20 homer guy, but to not be a, a zero.
3: And, like, with Adalberto Mondesi, when we talked about him earlier this week and how he only has one stolen base, it was largely because he's not been on first base. Andrews has ten singles and a walk, so he's had plenty of chances to run.
1: All right, next up, overreaction or no? Adalberto Mondesi is a star.
3: Ah.
2: (laughs) I mean, only number nine in, in Roto, that's... Yeah, little.
1: one homer, We're one steal. Star. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna
3: say yes. You're you're right. It's not an overreaction.
1: <laughs> no walks, eight strikeouts, though. You know
2: that's bad. That's who he is. Nothing anyway, he about what walk. has happened has changed my opinion on Ado Ad- Mondesi. He's pretty much looked like Adolberto Mondis. The, the results have been really good. He's also there are some frightening things in his approach. Okay, so.
1: Heath says it's not an overreaction. Scott, is Adalberto Mondesi a star one week into the season?
0: I mean, the answer to all of these questions is probably yes. But I was inclined to believe he had star potential already, so uh, you know, I'll I'm I'm more likely to grant this opinion than some of the others. I,
3: I don't it's not the biggest Adalberto Mondesi overreaction I've seen. Uh I believe Bill James tweeted a couple of days ago he's a future MVP.
2: Okay. and he he knows a lot about baseball he is he is online
1: (laughs) uh robinson cano might be done guys homer on opening day off max scherzer he has five hints since then he has one walk to eight strikeouts and 188 batting average robinson cano might be done is that an overreaction
2: complete on. yeah 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 i mean he's 36 years old he might be it's it's a bad week after he hit like robinson cano last year for the 15th season in a row. I'm just saying he might be. That's a little,
1: that's a little bit of an overstatement because he's had some pretty disappointing years, uh, with the Mariners. He's sort of alternated between like good and not bad. But he was never bad. Back. Yeah, well, they was, no, no, he was not. He wasn't was, bad. Right.
0: I mean, his lowest batting average during that time with the Mariners was 280. He did have a year where he hit only 14 home runs, but the others were either 20 or a pace of 20, like last year. Uh, He wasn't he wasn't Yankees Robinson Cano, but he was still must start caliber in fantasy.
1: Mm. Uh, Well, okay, here is OPS uh, Cano's OPS in five seasons with Seattle: eight thirty six, seven seventy nine, eight eighty two, seven ninety one, eight forty five. So two of those three seasons below eight hundred for a guy who doesn't steal. Not exactly must start, although in points leagues, always good play discipline. I will say it, it's yeah, tough great, to judge great, great, play, our, play, great run in r b
0: i production yeah. and obviously a great batting average Acc- in the
2: accumulator where, accumulator like his yeah. but like his bad seasons were like maybe a little bit below what we want scooter Jeanette to do when he's healthy
1: uh okay thirty six last he's thing, so thing last thing on him uh it's just tough to judge the mets uh they face a lot of really good pitchers so far, including the stallions and the nationals. So keep that in mind. All right, last uh, last overreaction. Jose Ramirez's counting stats are going to make him more like a second round pick this year.
3: I think it's probably true.
2: Really? That's so that's so hurtful. No, I I, I, I'm not ready to say.
0: that. So, I'm I'm not ready to say that either. But. among the, the downer, the more downer half of this podcast, uh, I advised somebody yesterday to trade Mookie bets for Ramirez and Mondesi. Would that something you would still
3: advise? I think so. That
2: feels like giving up too much.
3: Wait. He was trading Mookie bets for Ramirez oh, and Mondesi. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I would still do that. Yes. I would yeah, trade okay. Mookie, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's Trout and Betts. Uh, they, they demand an enormous price tag, obviously.
2: And so, so just to put some reference to this the team that had the most plate appearances last year was 6369 that was the cubs the lowest was 6029 that's not an insignificant number but when you're talking about the entire lineup it's like five percent difference i think is the is what that comes out to it's not it's not this gigantic and this lineup won't be as bad as they have been so far it's gonna be
1: pretty Uh, bad though i mean it's not just plate appearances it's runs and rbis
3: Uh, yeah I, i i think that's the problem is if we assume that he doesn't have a hot streak coming because he's started off cold pretty soon i mean he's going to be far enough behind where you're just going to expect that He's talking about
2: Jose Ramirez. Okay, I I would say moving forward, I do not think he will play like a second round pick.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Wrap it up here. We'll go Scott Heath-Chris. If you were redrafting today, when would you take Jose Ramirez?
3: Third. I No, I I wouldn't drop him to the third. I'd still take him in the first round, but uh, maybe a little bit later in the first round. Well, I
0: think he meant third overall.
3: He did, but of he course also course I
0: meant third he, overall, and Heath knew that. He
3: also went out of
1: turd because uh, I did say Scott Heath Chris, but that's fine. Uh, so Chris said third overall. Heath said first round. Scott, how about you?
0: I think I'd still take him third overall. The lowest I would have been able to justify is is the sixth behind Martinez, Arenado, and Scherzer.
1: All right, fellas, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, are they bad? Uh, we'll do that with uh, Josh Donaldson, Joey Votto, Luke Voigt, and a few others. And Oh, you, Darvish. we got to talk about him. We'll talk about a little bit more from Thursday's action, only eight games on the schedule, and then we will take a look ahead to Fantasy Week 3. Fantasy Week 2 for a lot of you, but for some of you, Fantasy Week 3. Stick around. Coming right back here on Fantasy Baseball Today.
2: You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. Is far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.
1: So let's play Are They Bad? Okay, first guy is Josh Donaldson. No extra base hits. Now, the funny thing about this list is, uh, pretty much all of these hitters have good plate discipline so far. I have four hitters and one pitcher. So, is Josh Donaldson bad, Heath? He's only batting 182, five walks, seven strikeouts, but still looking for an extra base hit.
3: I don't think I'm ready to say that he's bad. Um, I do think I'm less, like, I was, I think I was probably less excited about Donaldson than you guys were, so I would expect that you are going to be more forgiving. I just had some questions about would he be the same guy he was and could he stay healthy? So far he stayed healthy but he hasn't quite been the same guy.
1: Anybody worried?
0: Yeah. There there's nothing that here that would change my opinion, which I mean it was there was concern, I, you know, he was somebody I was passing up in like round 9. So, yeah, we don't really know who he is, but We still don't know who he is, you know? Yeah, I
2: didn't... Obviously, a ton of upside. I don't think I drafted Donaldson in any of my leagues, and my prior was that I expected him to not be good, so... He's saying it's bad. I think there's a pretty good chance of it, yeah. Next up, you will never get anyone on this podcast
1: to tell you that Joey Votto is bad. We make excuses (laughs) for Joey Votto all the live long day, and here he is batting two twenty. Uh, with no homers, no RBIs, but of course four walks to four strikeouts. Is Joey Votto bad?
2: No. <laughs> of course, he's played f- like five games, the entire lineup's been terrible. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, but, no, his I bad can't. ball profile, he's still hitting the ball as hard as he ever did. I, no.
0: I can't imagine why we'd be talking people, why we'd be continually talking people off the ledge for a guy who's a perennial 900 OPS, 300 hitter. I mean, last year was this terrible year where he hit 284 with eight- an 837 OPS and was still must
2: start. Oh, so no, he, he was
1: not yes, he must start. He was not must start. Scott,
2: Adam, in head-to-head points in any of your, t- Adam, did you in any of your t- Adam, did you have Joey Votto in any of your team? I, I honestly didn't. Would, are you saying you actually would have benched him?
1: Probably not, but I think in retrospect, I should have benched him because Joey Votto
2: was bad in Roto. He was just straight up bad in Roto. Well, Roto is deeper rosters in corner infield. You're probably still starting Joey Votto. Guys, guys, he, 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 Joey Votto, see, if you want to say he's not bad, that's fine. But I think you have to
1: acknowledge, for the sake of our listeners, you have to give them this. Joey Votto was bad last year. He played 145 games. That's a fairly full season. He finished. He led the NLLA hold on, hold on, base hold on. He That's all he did. The league in, on base percent. Oh my god, he hit 12 he home runs. He hit 12 home runs. Okay, Scott, uh, just listen. Right, so he hit 60 67 RBIs and 67 runs. Every single thing he did was bad, except for his on base skills. He was 12th in nice. points at first base and 21st in Roto. 21st in Roto, and all we've talked about is, is how bad first base is. It's not a deep position anymore. Joey Votto absolutely 100% was not a must start player in Roto last year. If you cannot admit that on this
2: show, then all the Joey Votto owners out I mean, there okay, like, are going to hate you forever. So Adam, that is going to be on your Adam, conscience. Can you answer me a, can, can you answer me a question? Yeah. He led the National League in on base percent. He scored, that's objectively true, you agree to that, right? Yeah, 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 objectively, yeah. He scored 67 <laughs> runs, objectively true, you would agree to that. Right. Did he just, like, trip and fall a bunch of times? This is the key. This, this is the distinction that we
3: can make. Joey Votto was not bad last year. Joey Votto is not bad.
2: Joey Votto for fantasy last year in Roto was bad. Yes. But it wasn't his fault.
3: That's he got fine. He that's,
2: like, that's what I'm saying is I wouldn't take what happened last year and project it forward. The I'm not lineup doing that. The is better, even though the results haven't been there yet. I'm not doing like, that. Like, he's going... I'm not doing we'll that. I agree. You. No, I'm not. I just said, was he bad last year? That's all I said. Was he... Well, that's not all
1: I said, but that was my second argument. Was he
2: bad <laughs> last year? But if you're year? saying... But, right. He but was. What you're saying is you wouldn't have started... You're saying you should have considered him not a must-start player. But that's reacting to results that I think all of us would agree probably if he does everything exactly the same last year this year he probably scores a lot more than 67 run that's a big part of it i hope so but he a first baseman bring him around a first
1: baseman who hits 15 home runs i'll give him 15 based on last year he had 12 in 145 games so it's probably more like 14 a first baseman who does that like the rbis aren't going to be that great that's just not good enough and a 284 batting average well, is very low for him i know the on base was great but if, all. You, if you don't count if you don't count obp what does that do for you
0: First of it's all, really we're talking about the elite. fictional scenario where 2019 Joey Votto is 2018 Joey Votto, which is
1: very unlikely. Why? So he, he's, he's 35, you know? Like like we should at least allow the possibility. And he was terrible against lefties last year. He, he slugged 376 it was, against it lefties. It was
0: such an outlier for his career that even if he is on the decline, which, again, is questionable. Like just law of averages says he's not going to put up that exact same stat line. Like it's very unlikely. Um well, Yeah. So yeah, I, I I guess I would just say if you could not find a way to fit that in your lineup, you have better roto hitters than I do. I mean, usually I'm starting a couple hitters that are pretty scrubby in the standard roto league. I, and Joey Vada wasn't pretty scrubby All last right, year. but but he like
1: was, but we have to get out of out of like everybody plays in a shallow points league or a deep roto league. A lot of people play. A lot of people play in a head-to-head categories league. Okay. And, and the rosters aren't that big. And you're not necessarily starting a corner outfielder. Also, you drafted Joey Votto with a top 60 or 70 pick. You didn't draft him to be the number 21 first baseman. So, like, I'm I not don't, saying like, he wasn't disappointing right, last year. He was there. It.
3: I will say it, in my one Yahoo league, it's a 10 team Yahoo league with those types of rosters. He was not must start last year.
2: He wasn't must start yes. in any roto league but last year. Right. And then this is something that, like, we had a, I had a back and forth with a, a. Listener via email and he was talking about Joey Gallo versus Ian Desmond. That's what he was, he was asking us about. And Ian Desmond was better last year, but when you look at the skill set, when you look at what they're likely to do moving forward, we, it matters what they did last year only in as much as it tells us what they are likely to do this year. I do not believe that Joey Vado is likely to lead the national league in on base percentage and only score 67 runs. I do not yeah. believe Joey Votto is likely to have identical batted ball data to his career and hit 12 home runs with a 9.5 home run to fly ball rate. Yeah. When I'm looking forward, I don't think the counting stats that he had last year in what should be a much better Reds lineup tell us all that much about what's likely to happen this year. Right. All right. So let me just wrap
1: it up cuz I I agree and I just want to clarify. it. I, I'm not necessarily down on Joey Vado. This is a guy that I I didn't draft this year but I kind of wanted to cuz I do think you look at his profile and there's a lot to like and he probably just had a, a a bad statistical year and should be a lot better this year and the slow start whatever. Like Chris said everybody in the Reds order is not hitting well. I just want cuz I get into these arguments with you guys where I feel like you know, I It's not that I'm projecting Joey Votto. I just want to acknowledge what he did. And sometimes I think with a guy like Joey Votto three years ago or whatever it was with Corey Kluber where he wasn't really giving the fantasy results that backed up the peripherals. I do feel like sometimes you guys don't look at the actual results and you look at the process. And, you you know, like that's just so I'm just trying to talk about what Joey Votto has done. I am still high on him this year. I do think he's a good player. But last year, I just don't think he was very good for fantasy. That's all I'm saying.
0: Well, and I I don't think any of us disagreed with that. He
1: said he was must-start. There's no way he was must-start. Right. But he wasn't
0: very good for fantasy. That's...
2: He I was, would say he wasn't. He was a bust for sure. He was must start when you looked at like your lineup decision, not must start when you look at what actually happened.
3: He was definitely right. a bust. Yeah.
2: Okay. Sure. All right. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's go real quick on these next guys. Luke Voigt,
1: Is he good or is he bad? Heath, what was the, what was your Twitter poll? What were the results?
3: Um, I was. It's funny because he homered in the middle of the Twitter poll, which <laughs> yeah. is uh, bad for the uh, the scientific results.
2: Yeah, it's muddying the waters. A yeah, bit.
3: which is what we were going for. That's a push poll. For sure. There were there were uh, three possible choices. It's early. He's good. I have no idea. Oh, man, he sucks. I have no idea. One with 56 percent. And that's exactly how I feel about Luke. What? Yeah, it's early. He's good. Came in at twenty nine percent. Oh, man, he sucks. Was actually doing pretty good before the home run. (laughs) Fell off late.
2: I don't know how you answer anything, but we don't know. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I I feel like Luke
1: Voigt's going to be a streaky player, but he did have... uh, I don't know how many hits he has this year. He has two home runs. There's only extra base hits. He's batting 167. Scott, are you feeling a little uneasy about Luke Voigt? No, No? I'm
0: not. I mean, I answered the same thing on the poll because that's what I'd answer for most players this time of year, especially those with a limited track record. But I don't... Other than the fact that he's a 28-year-old, I think, who... Couldn't find footing with his original organization. I don't see much reason to think he's bad. I mean, even looking at what he did in the upper minors, showed a very good hit tool, got on base a ton. Um, you know, it, he, he was actually even, it, it was actually even more of a contact profile down there than, uh, the big power he's shown already in the majors. So I, I think, I mean, obviously we have to let things play out, but that the Yankees seem committed to him, um, as we've seen the way they've made out their lineups this year and, yeah, I think, I still think there's plenty of potential there.
1: Alright, next up, Jake Bowers, off to a slow start, batting 200. Uh, he has one double in five games, but only three strikeouts. Guys, is Jake Bowers bad? And by the way, he has sat against the only lefty that the Indians have faced.
2: I think he's probably
3: bad. I don't think he's bad. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, this probably <laughs>
0: is influenced by how you felt about him coming in. Keith was, Clearly the high guy.
1: Who's Keith? Um, <laughs> Keith? That sounded like a Keith, right? Like, I wasn't...
0: It did kind of sound like a Keith. Yeah. That's cool. Um, Because I was going Heath clearly, right. so I kind of mixed up my sounds there. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, the only person I think that had him ranked close to where I did was Al Melchior. Um, Al liked him a lot as well. Yeah. I am happy, at least so far early on, that the strikeouts are back where they were for most of his minor league career. They don't have any other hitters, so he has to hit in the middle of the order. They don't have any other prospects, so there's no way to sit him down. So let's hope that he figures it out. I'm I'm a little concerned with the slow start just because he does have an unproven track record and the Indians might find someone else that they could play, but I still think he's good.
2: And there I, is yeah. there is evidence to suggest that prospects who get traded perform worse than prospects who don't. Um I don't know why that's fine. Uh, because it just
0: team, has to be such a subtle distinction, like.
2: <laughs> no, no, this, this it's like it's statistically significant, um, and it's because but like the, it's, it's the such a general take
0: for a very specific case. I don't know, I don't know,
1: I don't know. It, it's well, the kind of thing I no, I I, I think I know where he where Chris is going with this. I mean, like I,
2: Dan's I, I think Adam, Adam's going to buy into this. The team that knows him right, best, right, 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 would be more likely if he was as good as the prospect ranking. They tend to underperform their prospect rank. Is probably the better way to say it, relative to the guys who don't get traded. Right, and like, it's because uh, the teams who know them best certainly know them better than the prospect of value.
3: Well, and I would say a second thing about that is you're a guy that's trying to adjust to the major leagues, and you get traded one year in, and you may be given a new approach. Okay,
1: different so type of coaching. This is not going it as could quickly. Work. This is not going as quickly as I was hoping, um, but we have a lot of show to get to. I, I just texted Al Melky, or Settle a Podcast Debate. Is Jake Bowers bad? And he wrote, no, that was easy. Thank you, Al Melky. Thanks, Al. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Last one is you Darvish bad. Starting to get a little nervous about this one. Uh, I may have just replaced him as the player I love with Max Fried. Is you Darvish bad?
2: (laughs) He's not good right now. He was the player you love?
1: He was my player I love this year, yeah. You, yeah. Darvish.
2: Mm. It looks bad. It was better than yeah, the first I mean, one. No there's no way to sugarcoat <laughs> this. He's been, like, about as bad as you could possibly expect a major league pitcher. Like, as bad as you could uh, possibly expect a minor league pitcher to pitch.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd give that to Chris Sale over Darvish. I mean, Darvish is still throwing. A, even Flossie's a little down, but nothing that concerning. This time of year, he's still missing... Uh, bats with his secondary stuff. He's just been really inefficient. Obviously didn't walk seven guys yesterday, but, um, did struggle with control and wasn't allowed to go five, even though the Cubs bullpen has been abysmal and was abysmal again yesterday. Uh, it's like, if not, like, I'm not, I, I wouldn't even entertain the thought of dropping him because the upside is, is too high and the track record too lengthy, but, I can't start him till he delivers the kind of start that would make me want to start him at this point.
1: Yeah, the reason they didn't let you, Darvish, go five, Joe Madden wanted him to feel good about his start. That was very, very nice of Joe Madden. He wanted him to leave on a good note. It did not work out for He the feels Cubs. good
3: about pitching four innings. And giving up three runs well, and he, walking four he, and striking well, he out left
1: two. With There's one. nothing to yes, feel good about there. It Joe. was inherited he left runners. With one allowed. Right. It, right. Yeah. And one of the walks was intentional for what it's worth. But it was not. You know what? It was raining. Let's just chalk it up to that. It was raining. He was intimidated. <laughs> he, was, he was going up against the hardest throwing left-handed pitcher in baseball history, Max Freed. There's a lot working against
3: you, Darvish. I do think it's just good to remember because he obviously had a lot of problems last year with health and wasn't great in the major leagues when he pitched. He's approaching 2,200 innings, if you count what he did in Japan. Like, he might just be done. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little
1: nervous. Thirty-two. Okay, guys, let's move on here. So, for the rest of the show, we're going to do most added. Oh, crap, I didn't get to any of the emails. Such a failure on my part. Most added uh, and a look at next week's two-start pitchers. Before I do that, was there anything else from Thursday that you really wanted to talk about? Here are the, some of the notes that I had. Gleyber Torres hit two home runs. Nico Goodrum's off to a nice start. He's 56% owned. He has the second most doubles in baseball. Nico Goodrum, first base and second base, eligible for the Tigers. Aaron Judge is uh, 14 strikeouts in seven games and does not have a home run. And he had just a 121 ISO after the wrist injury last year. So, you know, I don't, it's just maybe kind of a Freddie Freeman situation there. Hope not, but just thought I'd bring it up. Um, he was
0: crushing it this spring.
1: Steven Strasburg, pitching very well, but you do have to note he is throwing softer, basically, than he's ever thrown in his career. But so far, Strasburg's off to a good start. Jake Junis, Aaron Sanchez, Michael Givens once again not being used as a closer. Shane Green has five saves. And Tyler Malley, Jordan Lyles, they had good starts. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are just some notes kind of running through my head. Scott, anything there? that yeah, you want
0: to piggyback on yeah i'll i'll, I'll mention a couple things Malley, um it, it's interesting the way chris described how pitchers used to pitch because that seems to be what tyler Malley is adopting now he threw he's always a guy who leans heavily on his fastball it's a really good pitch but to get through to, to make it as a starter pitch through the order multiple times he has to mix in other stuff and he threw 31 of his first 39 pitches were fastballs in this one, and then the second time through the order, he started to throw out secondary stuff and made it six strong. Um, but there's there's no guarantee he even has a rotation spot for long. Okay. Nico Goodrum's somebody who's caught my eye. It's probably too late in the formats where he's most valuable, which would be like a standard Roto League. But the guy's going to have triple eligibilities pretty soon here. Um, and in 8. His eight games he's walked seven times, already has six doubles, really good line drive hitter. He had great numbers against lefties last year, but the splits against righties held him back. I think there's a good chance that corrects this year, and he ends up being kind of an interesting power speed source. Uh so that's that's somebody who stock is up for me, Nico Goodram.
3: All right, uh, you guys so for this? yeah, yeah, go on. Alex Gordon Homeward yesterday. He's struck out once all season. He's in
1: the he's, he's in the been, notes. He's in the notes. Yeah, I have been
3: him. awful for three years basically. But he's shown a little life. He, I wouldn't be picking him up anywhere, but I'm gonna watch and see if the plate discipline was pretty good when he was good.
1: I really reject that I'm the biggest Homer on this podcast. This is the second straight year that you brought up Alex Gordon after an Alex Gordon hot streak, and it felt like a Homer call last year, and it was. And even just mentioning him, although he was not my notes. He's in the notes. Yeah, but I'm allowed to. I
3: literally found him by looking in your notes that you provided to us. I'm allowed to. For you, it's a homer call. you got an 1129 OPS. (laughs) I just want the
1: listeners to just pay attention throughout the rest of the season and really think about who the biggest homer is. Because I I do think it's Heath. I know everybody thinks it's me.
3: The Stallions? We've (laughs) given the freaking Marlins pitching staff a nickname, (laughs) The Stallions? Because they each had one slightly above average start this year?
2: Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, I'm you not know, sure Chris is the now, most... you're, now you're shooting to kill, okay? <laughs> so why don't we all calm down, take a step back, take a deep breath, and think about what we're saying before we hurt anybody's feelings.
1: Okay, I like that. I like that. I don't know that we have to go to the most added list here. I've been I've been plugging it, but these are names that we've talked about so much uh throughout the week. Colton Wong is not someone we're really buying. He's 70% owned. Uh, Matt Shoemaker is, you know, maybe worth a flyer. He's 56% owned. There's Enrique Hernandez. Then there's Jock Peterson. I don't have his full matchups for next week, but his first four games are against right-handed pitchers. He's also at Colorado this weekend against two right-handed pitchers, Jock Peterson. So you can expect him to sit against lefties, but Certainly, I think, uh, you look at Peterson, you look at Schwarber, If you see a week where they have mostly right-handed pitchers, they are definitely options for your, for your lineup. And, you know, Peterson leads off, so, could be a really good option. Uh, forget- Jock Peterson! Jock, this is Jock Peterson! Forget, uh, most added. Let's do the two-star pitchers. Okay. Um, where should we start? How about John Lester, Pittsburgh and the Angels? Feel good about it?
0: I don't see how you set him if you own him. Yeah. Yeah, you start him.
1: Okay. I'm sure you're gonna be starting, uh, like Miles Michaelis, we're gonna start Dodgers and at the Reds.
2: Yes, but he yep. is, his velocity's down. Um, I'm not totally uncon, okay. Uh,
1: Joey Lucchese at San Francisco at Arizona doesn't get much better than that.
2: Must start. Yeah, I'll start him. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yolisha Seen. Off to a nice start this season, uh, I think, at the Angels, at the Dodgers for Shasin.
0: Mm. See, I'm, I'm. No, he's 89 percent owned, but this feels less than automatic to me. I'd probably, I probably, I probably wouldn't own him, but if I did, I would start him.
2: I think you probably start him in a points league. I don't know about
1: a rota. up. I do think Shasin, If you start him, you drop him right after his first start. You lock him in your lineup. He's just he's been over owned since the start of the year. And uh I think he's not someone that we're going to love on this podcast.
0: You know, but we've been we've been discounting Chassin for two years now. And I I think like I, I think what some of the other pitchers are doing right now is kind of maybe opening into my eyes to what has made Chassin a success. He throws his slider a lot. Right. It's not a great swing and miss pitch, but it's a hard pitch to to square up. And it might be it it might help explain why he's been such a statistical anomaly.
1: Are we starting Marco Gonzalez at Kansas City and home against Houston? Yeah. I think so. Being at home. Helps. Yeah. Julio Tehran at Colorado, home against the Mets.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Eric Lauer at San Francisco and at Arizona. Now we're starting to get to pitchers who might yes. be available in your leagues. Yeah, Lauer, 70% owned with two great matchups.
2: You know what's really disappointing? Max Fried's first start next week is at Colorado. Damn it! <laughs> they can't hit him. Uh,
0: <laughs> Carlos. I mean, in a, in a points league, I want to give it a flat. No. I'm I, not saying you have to start him, but.
1: His second starts against the Mets. I actually didn't realize Freed was a two-star pitcher. All righty. We got Carlos Rodon, Tampa Bay, and at the Yankees. No.
3: um, Probably not, but in a points league, I would consider it. Yeah. On the borderline.
1: If you're new to the show, (laughs) if you're new to the show, um, why do we start two-star pitchers in points leagues but not categories or Roto leagues? Well, you do have to worry about your ratios going up, so that you know those fringy starting pitchers that might just accumulate some points. It's easier to start them, but they could hurt your ratios too much in Roto, so that's why we make the distinction. Jake Junis home against Seattle, home against Cleveland. It's interesting.
0: I think that's a yes for me, just straight
1: up across the board. Okay, Jake June is fifty-four percent. Yeah, probably. Be, I, I don't know if I would in roto. There's going to be some streaming this week. I'm telling you, man. Eric Lauer, Junis, Kyle Gibson is at the Mets and home against the Tigers.
3: Thoughts? Gibson. He did not look very good in his last start. Um, I wouldn't want to do that. Have we got to Jordan Zimmerman yet? No, because he's only thirty-nine percent owned.
1: <laughs> Cleveland and at yeah, Minnesota. He's got, Somebody talking, Chris? No, no. Oh, okay. I was waiting for you to talk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jordan Zimmerman is Cleveland and at Minnesota. Annabal Sanchez is at Philadelphia at home against Pittsburgh. Feels way too risky to me. He left his last start with an injury. Should make his next start, but like we like Zimmerman better than Annabal Sanchez, right?
2: Yeah, I think at Philadelphia is going to be a a real avoid scenario this.
1: Alright. Yeah, so like how much do we trust Jordan Zimmerman this week with Cleveland and Minnesota, Minnesota on the road?
3: I think of I mean, all the Minnesota names you said, he's probably top ten for me this week.
1: Minnesota is the
0: one tough lineup in that division, right?
3: Yeah. So much relatively
0: it's, it's it's something I would consider in a points league, but I have so many young pitchers who have shown big strikeout upside added to my roster that I I don't think I'm dropping one to make room for a 2 start zimmerman
1: and zimmerman really could turn into a pumpkin and just be terrible sure. no matter who he faces yeah last thing i want to mention here to consider then we'll go into some real deep league guys uh if you have a a two-star pitcher whose second start is on sunday remember a lot of rainouts this time of year so they could miss that start they could stay on schedule but it's just something to keep in mind. Okay, we've got Marco Estrada, Trevor Cahill, Brett Anderson, Jason Vargas, Jose Araña, Felix Hernandez, Max Fried, Derek Holland, who's home against San Diego and Colorado, Homer Bailey and Andrew Kashner. I know I said a lot of names, but just repeat if you if you think anybody's a good start uh in a two star week, throw it out there.
2: Um Arana's at Cincinnati and then home. But it's against Philadelphia. No. Homer. Probably not. I don't hate Derek uh, Holland.
1: Holland, right? I don't
0: hate Derek Damn. Holland
2: this week. Yeah.
1: San Diego and Colorado
2: I, I, at
0: home. <laughs> Like, I'd be more likely to start Zimmerman, so clearly I'm not dropping a pitcher I like for Holland either. But, um, you know, Colorado in San Francisco doesn't seem like a bad matchup. I, both of them in San Francisco. He's great at San Francisco last year. A better bat-misser than I think people gave him credit for, too. So it's not a bad play.
2: I don't hate Marco Estrada either. Uh, at Baltimore and then at Texas this second matchup not great but i think he could right right now
1: um Marco Estrada looks like uh, excuse me Texas Texas looks like one of the toughest matchups in the American League like they are really hitting and there's just a lot of crappy teams in the American League so that's part of it but that's the at yeah. Texas tough
2: matchup Joey Gallo yeah. has improved his contact rate so far this though. So. that's something
1: I think he has eight walks in seven games, Joey Gallo. Good stuff. So that is it for two-star pitchers. Let's finish real quick with emails here. Jared from Seattle is in a 10-team league. Uh, should he drop Jake Bowers for Enrique Hernandez, Randall Gritschick, Kyle Schwarber, or Adam Jones?
2: Yes.
3: Probably. I maybe. would. I might drop him for Hernandez if I needed middle-on-field help.
2: I might go Gretcher. I mean, he's actually proven that he can be a, a, an above average. Uh, from no
1: name here, should I drop Eduardo Rodriguez for Pablo Lopez in a 12-team points league?
0: I, I don't know. I'd, I'd still be kind of reluctant to do that. I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez has been a big strikeout guy year over year and in terms of rate. I mean, he's had health issues that have held back the total. Um, velocity's down. I mean, it's concerning, but it's, he's a guy I'm not quite ready to drop. Okay. If Pablo Lopez has another great start, though, then I think that that uh, that is enough to make the move.
2: Get in before the stallion leaves the stable.
1: Okay. This is from Adam in New York City. Dear Fantasy Stallions, how much longer should I hold on to Craig Kimbrel? Heath, you answer this one. Ten-team categories league.
2: I will pro
3: 10 team categories league makes it a little bit more difficult, but I plan on holding on to Craig C- Craig Kimbrell for a very long time. I have no intention of dropping him. probably three teams in
1: the And Scott, we have to go. Scott, you answer this one. From Kurt, would you drop Fran Reyes and or Garrett Hampson for Jorge Soler, Jay Bruce, or Adam Eaton? Would you drop Fran—oh, my gosh, yes. Framil Reyes and/or Garrett Hampson for Jorge Soler, Jay Bruce, or Adam Eaton.
0: If this is basically for a, a bench spot, um, well, I, I probably would swap out Hampson for Eaton either way. Reyes, like if I needed another bat in my lineup, you have to go Bruce over him. But I'd rather hold on to the to uh, to Reyes and see if he can find his way into the lineup more regularly. If it's just a guy sitting on my bench.
1: Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to Fantasy Baseball today. We will talk to you on Monday with our weekend recap. See you then.